Hi, welcome to the New Story Church podcast. We hope that this week's message encourages you and brings you closer to Jesus. We are in a week one of a Christmas series called The Most Wonderful, which is a play on the, the, the song The Most Wonderful Time because I really believe that Christmas in many ways can be the most wonderful time of the year. So I thought let's just call the Christmas series that. And we're gonna look at some of the most wonderful things about who Jesus is and the reality of what Jesus brings in the, in the message of Christmas, the reality of what we can experience because of what Christ has done because he arrived on earth and then he had this beautiful ministry and gave his life and resurrected. What is it that we now have in Christ? Who can we now become in Christ? And why is now the most wonderful time of the year? Yeah, it's wonderful because we have beautiful lights out. Yeah, it's wonderful because we get to eat amazing Christmas cookies and all of those. Yeah, it's wonderful. We get to see family. But the thing that makes this the most wonderful time of the year is who Christ is and what has now been made possible because of what Christ has done. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1 today. So if you're following along, Matthew's the first book in the New Testament. We're going to be in chapter 1. So that's the first chapter in that book. It's the number 1. So if you want to follow along, we'll be in Matthew 1. But before we get to Matthew chapter 1, there are two verses that I want to read to you from the Apostle Paul. The first one is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. Paul writes this. He said, Who in what you are now is a gift from God in King Jesus? who has become for us God's wisdom and righteousness, sanctification and redemption as well. We could preach a whole series off of that verse. What does it mean that Christ, he's, he's God's wisdom, and in him we are his righteousness, in him we are sanctified. But I want to focus on that word redemption. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, and he's saying that in Christ we are redeemed. There's a redemption, there's a redemptive work that can be experienced in Christ Jesus. Paul says something very similar in Colossians 1.14 as he's writing to the church at Colossae. He said, he is the one in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This redemption that has been made possible in Christ is because every single one of us, hey, we've we've participated in sin before. We've actively been involved in sin before. And therefore, we are in need of redemption because our sin enslaves us to the prince of this world, to, to the enemies of this world, to the forces that are working against God. And so therefore, we are in need of redemption. The Greek word for redemption is allopatrosis. It means deliverance, paying for ransom, and liberation. Because of the redemption that we have in Christ, we are delivered once we've turned to him. A ransom has been paid, and we have been set free. There's a liberation to be experienced because of this redemptive work of Christ. So if you're taking notes today, the title of today's message is The Most Wonderful Time for Redemption. A lot of beautiful aspects of what it means to know Jesus. And there's a lot of wonderful things that Christ does in our lives. But today, I want to focus on the redemptive work of Christ in our lives. And this is the most wonderful time for us to be reminded of his redemption, for us to experience his redemption, and for us to turn to him and be redeemed in him. Now, if you've been coming to New Story Church for some time, it is no secret that I thoroughly enjoy movies. (laughs) 
I will probably reference movies more than any pastor that you've ever experienced. And some of you will say, he's seen that movie? Yes, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, church. Uh, uh, I, I, you know, I, I really love movies. There's some churches who every summer they do a series called At the Movies. Like this is a thing across churches. And what they do is for four weeks, they base their, their messages off of different movies. We can't do that series here because every week is at the movies at New Story Church. But I, I don't base my sermons off of movies, but I will find themes and ideas in different movies and say, oh, that could work as an illustration or an idea or a concept. And one of the types of movies I actually really enjoy is Christmas movies. I don't really like the Hallmark ones, which I know won't make, you know, I know some people love them. That's not really my thing. I really enjoy movies like some of the classics, like Miracle on 34th Street or It's a Wonderful Life or some of the claymation movies like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or Santa Claus is Coming to Town. In fact, when I, when, when I started dating Kim like eight years ago, she had not seen any of these movies. I said, did you celebrate Christmas in your house? She said, yeah, we celebrated Christmas, but she had never seen any of these movies. And so I, I make her watch them almost every year. I love The Muppets Christmas Carol. And uh, yeah, it's a really good one. Elf, The Santa Claus. And we all know that the greatest Christmas movie of all time is Christmas Vacation. <laughs> Are you serious, Clark? Yes, that's, I mean, it's, it's the best thing ever. I mean, there's some other good movies, but Clark Griswold's the man. And we did, we are naming our son Clark, but it's after Clark Kent, not Clark Griswold, even though some people, some people I think wish it was after Clark Griswold, uh, but it's not. Kim is very insistent on that, so don't joke about that with her, even though I just joked about it. It's, it's Clark Kent. Uh, but one of the things I try to do every year I try to watch a Christmas movie that I've never watched before, or I try to watch a new Christmas movie. And this year, the, the new Christmas movie that I watched, I have not seen Violent Night yet, but it, uh, <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. But the, the, Christmas movie, the new Christmas movie that I watched this year was, was Spirited, starring Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell. And I thought it was Scott Will Ferrell, and yeah, he hasn't had a good movie in like 10 years, but you know what? I'm going to give it a try. And so I decided to watch this movie, and it's a comedy, and it's a musical, and it's it's a retelling of A Christmas Carol, because that's what we needed, was another version of A Christmas Carol. It's like we get three of them every year, three new ones. But anyway, I I watched this movie, this comedy Christmas musical movie with Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds, and I actually really enjoyed it. I really liked this movie. I thought it was a good movie. Now, I recommended that our executive pastor Pastor Neil Friedman watched it and he hated it. Like he was sending me text messages afterwards. Like, I can't believe you'd recommend this to me. And I'm like, I really like this movie. And he was just, he, he kept roasting me for watching this movie. And, but let me tell you a little secret. Neil's favorite Christmas movie is the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, Jingle All the Way. <laughs> And every year, he's like, Scott, you got to come over and watch Jingle All the Way. He'll text me like 10 times. I'm like, Neil, I don't have time to watch Jingle All the Way every single year. I love Turbo. He doesn't actually do that. I, I'm kind of making that up right now. But he does love Jingle All the Way. Sometimes when he comes over, I just start playing it in the background just to mess with him. But anyways... And it, this movie, Spirited, it's a retelling of the Christmas Carol, and I don't want to spoil too much of it for you because there's some cool twists in it, but at one point in time, Will Ferrell's character starts singing this song and asking the question if he's redeemable. And he's going through some pretty difficult things. Once again, I'm not going to tell you too much because I don't want to spoil the movie, but I do want to read to you some of the lyrics from this song. I will not be singing them to you because uh, I want you to stay here, but I... I, I I will read them to you. And as I, because I've listened to this song over and over again, because I think that a number of us, if we were to be honest with ourselves, have felt this way before. 
and we've asked the question, am I redeemable? We hear about the redemption that is made possible in Christ that Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 or Colossians chapter 1. But we, 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 when, and we say, oh yeah, Christ's redemption, he can deliver and set other people free. But me? Ah, that, that thing that I did, that I said to that person, that I keep saying, that gossip that I'm wrapped up in, I, I, you know what, I just can't stop. I don't know if he could redeem me. The anger that I demonstrate towards others, and the way I treat them, ah, I don't know if there's any coming back from that, especially after that last conversation with, with, those, with what I said. Maybe you've been struggling with uh, f- some substance abuse or an addiction. Maybe as Hannah was just mentioning, you, you've struggled with pornography or some type of sexual immorality or, or whatever it is. And, and we all have these secret sins that we hold on to. When we hold on to them, we start asking, ah, you know, yeah, Christ can redeem some people, but is it really for me? I want to read these lyrics to you because I wonder if you've felt this way before. He says, am I forever unredeemable? Can I be the man who breaks from a lifetime of mistakes? Can my worst be left behind And do I deserve to find the kind of love that I could lean on every day? Have you been there before where you've done so much that either people don't know about or people do know about that you've wondered, could could somebody like me even be loved? Could I even genuinely express love to others? Because I don't even know if I trust myself anymore. He goes on to ask this question in the song, this powerful question. He said, am I someone someone can forgive? Am I someone that someone can forgive? I, I wonder if in your mind or in your heart you've asked that question before or something like it. Could I possibly receive forgiveness? Now the good news that you're going to hear today is that there's forgiveness available to everybody in Christ that his redemption is made possible for all people. But to hear that, and then to believe that and live that, those are two different things. And this is something that we've all probably wrestled with before, whether it's a sin that everybody knows about, or one of it, whether it's one of those secret sins that you don't want anybody to know about. Am I redeemable? Am I someone that someone can forgive? And we discover in the Christmas story that Christ came to redeem us from sin. Let me give you some context here. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, looking at the Christmas story through the lens of uh, Jesus's earthly father, Joseph. It says, Matthew writes this, this was how the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place. His mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, but before they came together, she turned out to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband-to-be, was an upright man. He didn't want to make a public example of her, so he decided to set the marriage aside privately. Joseph and Mary are engaged to be married. Mary ends up pregnant. Joseph thinks, I haven't been with her. That wasn't for me, or else whatever my parents taught me wasn't the way things went down. I don't know. But that wasn't for me. He's like, I got to get out. 
That was really the cultural expectation of this time. And in this patriarchal context, Joseph had permission actually to embarrass her publicly if he wanted to. But he does decide, I'm going to leave her privately because she probably has been unfaithful to me. She has a, she has a child and I've, you know, it's not mine. This kid's not mine. <laughs> and so he's like, I'm going to get out. And then this is where a miracle starts to happen in the Christmas story. Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 through 21 says, But while he was considering this, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Don't be afraid to get married to Mary. The child she is carrying is from the Holy Spirit. She is going to have a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. He is the one who will save his people from their sins. Within this story, we see an angel show up. We just looked at Elijah's story a couple, a few weeks ago where an angel shows up. And these stories remind us that God does intervene in our lives. That the miraculous can happen. That, that God can move in such a way that God can speak to us. That, that God can... God can intervene in those moments when things don't make sense. And this angel shows up and says, don't be afraid. She's carrying a child from the Holy Spirit. He's referencing this prophecy that the Jewish people would have been familiar with, that, hey, there's, there's going to be this Messiah that comes from a miraculous virgin birth. And Joseph is probably a little bit scared in this moment. He's being visited by an angel. And he says, his name will be Jesus, and he is the one who will save his people from their sins. And that's at the heart of what redemption is, that in Christ we may be rescued from sin, that it is in the cross of Christ that we can experience victory over sin, that we no longer have to live enslaved to the old life, but we can experience the new life in him. And this is what's happening. In, I mean, there's redemption in, in this whole story. Like, Joseph needs a little bit of redemption for thinking about leaving Mary. Like, I'm going to get out of this thing. And No, you know, Joseph, you need to be freed from that mindset and to see the new thing that God is doing. The, the people in this time period, the Jewish people, they were looking for deliverance because in their perspective, they were in a bit of an exile. They were back in their land, but they were in like a spiritual exile because Romans still had rule and power over them. So they're thinking like, hey, we need some deliverance as well. We need to get out of this. And then there were people even under Roman oppression who had been looking for deliverance. And because of that, they were participating in pagan practices, looking to fulfill and find something else. And then this Jesus shows up on the pages of human history, the Son of God, and he has come to rescue those people from their sins. But this work of rescuing and saving people from sin and redeeming people was not just for people 2,000 years ago. It's for all of us throughout history, and it's even for you today. It's available for every single one of us. Amen? Amen. Like It's available to us today. Do you know Jesus' name in Hebrew would have been Joshua? And when, when Joseph and Mary and the people in their context would have thought of Joshua, they would have thought of the one who took up leadership after Moses in the Old Testament and led the nation of Israel into the promised land. And now Jesus has shown up as the new deliverer who's going to lead humanity into the promised land of freedom and life. A promised land that's not about a physical space, but a promised land that it's about a life that you can have and experience no matter whatever place you find yourself in. Then wherever you are, you can experience life and redemption and freedom in him. So the first thing that we see in this story is that the arrival of Christ makes redemption possible for all people. 
Jesus has shown, to, to free, shown up to free people, to deliver people, to liberate people, all of us, from sin. Those public sins, those private sins, whatever it is that you feel is enslaving you, entrapping you, that you feel is suffocating you, that you feel is holding you back, there, Jesus has come to free you from that because he paid the ransom for it. That's another meaning of redemption, to pay a ransom. And Matthew continues to carry on with this theme throughout his gospel. Later on in Jesus' ministry, Matthew records this in Matthew 20, verse 28. That's how it is with the Son of Man. He didn't come to have servants obey him, but to be a servant and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to give his life for a ransom for many. A ransom had to be paid because we were all enslaved and entrapped to, the, to who Paul refers to as the prince of this world, the enemy. And Jesus came and shed his blood to pay the ransom of that to say, no, no, humanity doesn't belong to you. They belong to me if they so choose. If they so choose to accept the gift that I've extended to them, humanity, we no longer have to belong to a lesser life. We no longer have to belong to that which is temporary. We no, have to, no longer have to belong to that which is destructive and evil and corrupt, but in Christ there is redemption that is now made possible. And instead of belonging to, to, to the world or to the enemy, we now belong to Christ and we have been redeemed in him because he paid the ransom. That's the message of the cross. And I know some of you, you're probably still wrestling and thinking, uh, thinking like, ah, you know, it's, it's easy to think that this is for somebody else. But, but you, don't, you don't know what I've done or where I've been or what I've said or what I've participated in. In fact, I'll be, you might even be thinking this. I'm the first to say I'm a huge hypocrite and I keep saying one thing and doing another and I just don't know if I could have redemption or if I could be set free. I shared with you last week that I've been reading through 1 John and I want to share with you this passage from 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. This is how God's love has appeared among us. God sent his only son into the world so that we should live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the sacrifice that would atone for our sins. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son. You might be wrestling in wondering, does God actually love me? <laughs> Look at the cross. The cross is Christ's message to you that he loves you and he will go to the furthest possible place to rescue you, to rescue me, to rescue all of us because this is how we can be redeemed and saved from sin. Could God really? Yes. Does God actually love me? Look at the cross. Look at what Christ has done for you. And through that, what has now been made possible for you. New life. A new creation in Christ. How, how does this happen? Let me share with you a verse. If you were raised in church, you probably heard this verse like 3,000 times, but it's a, it's a good one. First John, they're all good. They're from the Bible, but this is a good one. First John chapter one, verse nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Maybe it's an addiction that nobody knows about. 
Maybe it's a way that you've harmed other people that you feel could permanently damage your relationship. Maybe it's something that just keeps eating at you. I said it could be substances. It could be pornography. It could be, it could be so many things. You come to Christ and there is forgiveness and cleansing and new life available in him. Now is the most wonderful time for redemption because now is the time that we remember that Christ came to rescue us from sin. Some of you, my invitation would be that you would just take that step forward today, letting Christ know, I need you. I need you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for loving me. I need you. And Christ will and can make you brand new. Amen. Amen. How many of you, like you can testify, you're willing to say, he has made me new more than one time. Like he's done this many, many times in my life. How many of you can admit that there have been times when you've been a little bit nervous to even go to him and let him know about what it is, even though he knows already, but you're still like, oh, I gotta, you know, kind of be honest with him right now. And, and you're a little bit nervous to go, but then you go and you let him know. And it's from that place you start experiencing restoration and new life and you know you're able to move forward. How many of you have been there before? You know you've been there before and you know that he can do this work in your life. This is who he is. There might be some of you here today, though, who maybe you're kind of like, you know what, I feel pretty, you know, I feel like I've been growing with Christ. I feel like I've been redeemed. You know, I, I'm doing pretty good right now. Like, I'm in a pretty good headspace spiritually right now. And if that's you, praise God, that's awesome. But I, I want to push this a little bit as well. Because this redemption that we experience in Christ is not just for us to hold on to for ourselves so that we can feel good about ourselves all the time. But it's actually some, an element of Christ that we are then uh, called to express to others. Uh, ask yourself this question. Are there any people in your life that you treat as if they cannot be redeemed by Christ? Are there any people in my life that I treat as if they cannot be redeemed by Christ? Are there any, maybe it's a person that's in your family, maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's, I don't know, just some random person you ran into recently and they just said something nasty to you. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a group of people. And whenever you hear about this group of people on social media or on a podcast or, or on your favorite news outlet, you just get so angry and you start to cringe and you think, oh, I can't stand them because they're doing this or they're doing that. Or, and I love people are always like, they did this or they did that. I'm always like, who is they? Did you hear what they're doing? Who is they? Who are these people? Who is they? Did you hear about them? Who's them? <laughs> but who are these? Who is it that when you hear about, oh my goodness, you just start getting worked up and you think, oh, and you think like, you know, I love them. I love them. Okay. If you were to meet them face to face, how would you treat them? How would you interact with them? Who are the people in your life that you say, yeah, I know that they can be redeemed by Christ, but the way you talk about them, you talk about them as if they are unredeemable. That's a tough question. That's a tough question for me. Like, who are the people that maybe you don't talk about them, but the way you think about them, you think about them as if they are unredeemable. You think about them as if what you're really doing is saying, yeah, I deserve Christ's redemption more than they do because I don't like them. They do something that bothers me. This could be a person that you know, it could be a person you don't know, it could be a group of people. Who is that? Sometimes I think there's a limitation 
on the way in which we've experienced Christ's redemption because we are unwilling to express his redemption to others. But when we allow him to move through us and express redemption to others, even those that we strongly disagree with and bring them into the kingdom and bring them into Christ's likeness, that begins to change things. And we'll actually even see God's redemption even more beautifully and even more clearly. I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story. This is a story in the Old Testament about a guy named Jonah. He was a prophet. Some of you might remember Jonah was a prophet. Ooh, ooh. Nobody really never got it. Sad but true. Anybody watch VeggieTales growing up? Clearly not. If you watch him, you can spot it. Then they said a doodly-doo. He did not get the point. That's the, that's the story of Jonah. He just didn't get the point. Uh, but Jonah was called by God to go to this place called Nineveh. And in Nineveh, there were some people who were doing some pretty wicked and evil things. It was not a nice place. It was not a good place. And, and Jonah's like, oh, you know, uh, you know uh, God, I know you told me, and I know I'm your prophet, and I know I'm supposed to go to Nineveh, but hey, you know, God, uh, I don't really want to go to Nineveh. I don't like those people, so I'm going to get on a boat and head to this place called Tarshish. That's what I'm going to do, okay? I'm just going to get out of town. I'm going to head on this boat, and I'm just going to go. I'm out. I'm done. I, I don't want to go to Nineveh. And then there's this whole situation where this the, the, the storm comes, and these people on the boat are like, why is there a storm right now? And then Jonah's like, well, it's because of me, because I'm running away from God. And so Jonah ends up jumping off the boat. He gets swallowed by a fish. He gets spat out by the fish. And then he says, uh, you know what, God, I guess I'll go to Nineveh. But I don't want to go to Nineveh because I don't like the Ninevites. You know, I'm not gonna, I, I don't, I don't want to go there, but I'll go there. And Jonah goes and he lets the Ninevites know, hey, if you keep being wicked people, if you keep doing this, then there's going to be some judgment for you. And they say, oh no, we don't want that. That sounds horrible. And so they turn from that and they turn to God and God decides not to bring judgment on the Ninevites. And look at what, how Jonah reacts to this in Jonah chapter four, verses one through three. That the Ninevites were restored and not, and not destroyed. This displeased Jonah terribly, and he became very angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, oh Lord, this is just what I thought would happen when I was in my own country. This is what I tried to prevent by attempting to escape to Tarshish, because I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in mercy, and one who relents concerning threatened judgment. So now, Lord, Kill me instead, because I would rather die than live. Jonah, Jonah comes to this place, and he says, uh, you know what, God? I know that you have a lot of grace and compassion, and you're slow to anger, and you have a lot of mercy, and God, that's what bothers me about you. Isn't that kind of sad? God, it really bothers me that you have so much compassion. God, it really bothers me that you have mercy. And you know what, God? Because this happened, I would rather you just kill me. Because I would rather die than to live and see those people experience redemption. I would rather stop living, God, than to see those Ninevites, to see those people that I can't stand experience redemption. And it's a tragic story. God, I can't believe you have grace and compassion. Oh my gosh, God, that's just horrible. You know, it's good for me, but for them, no. God, cut it out, seriously? And as, as crazy as this sounds, 
I wonder how many of us have been there before. God, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you so much for saving me. God, I love you so much. God, thank you for loving me so much. And, oh, but them, oh, gosh, no, I can't talk to them. Anybody been there? Oh, gosh, God, no, no, not them. Not those people. God, I would, I, oh, no, I'd rather just live alone than to talk to those people. They're the worst. And some of you think it's Scott, but no, like, it's not a but. Who are the people that God has placed in your life that he's saying to you, it's time to show them the same mercy and compassion and grace that I've shown you? Who do we view as if, going back to John, I'm all about 1 John right now. 1 John 4, 8 says this, the one who does not love has not known God because God is love. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. The way we love people is a demonstration of our proximity to God. The way that we love others is a reflection of how close we are to God. It's a reality check. Who are the people in our lives that we can better love? Because there are some people, the way in which they hear about and experience God's redemption is going to be through you. It's going to be through his church, being people who live redeemed, so we express and invite people into redemption. We are invited to experience redemption and express redemption. This forgiveness of sins that is made possible in the Christmas story is something that is made possible today for all people. And it's also a new reality for us to be living in. But to go back to the Christmas story in Matthew chapter 1, I'm going to invite the band back to close us out here as well. We go to Matthew chapter 1. The angel has a little bit more to say to Joseph. And it says, All this happened so that what the Lord said through the prophet might be fulfilled. Look, the virgin is pregnant and will have a son, and they shall give him the name Emmanuel, which means in translation, God with us. God is with us. This is, this is what the presence of Christ brings. Christ is the, 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 the meeting place between heaven and earth, and Christ is the space that says, this is where God is now meeting with his creation. God is now amongst his creation. And now for us as the church, God is now amongst us by the presence and power of his Holy Spirit. God is with us. And we could preach all about that too. What does it mean that God is with us? What does it mean that Christ is living and present among us? But for today, I just want us to focus on this one thing. The fact that God is present with us in Christ through the power of his Holy Spirit, it means this for us. It means that redemption is here. Redemption is here. Redemption has arrived. Redemption is in our midst. Redemption is among us. So maybe you're here today and asking, am I unredeemable? The question is no. I mean, the an- sorry, the answer is no. The question, that's not a question. I'm not on Jeopardy or whatever, like a statements or questions or whatever. No, you're wondering, am I redeemable? The answer is yes, you are redeemable. Am I unredeemable? No. Like, I mean, yes, no, you aren't. I'm just getting all confused now. I'm trying to end a message in a beautiful way with a song at the end, and I just can't say my words right. Here's what you need to know. You can be redeemed in Christ Jesus, and there's forgiveness available for you in him. Amen. 
You can be redeemed in Christ. You can be forgiven in him. All you have to do is call upon the name of Jesus, and there is redemption that has been made possible for you in Christ. This is what happens when you're in Louisiana all week, and you're not sleeping too much. And then I'm hanging out with Blake at a coffee shop yesterday, and he's just like driving me. I'm like, Blake, I'm trying to work. He keeps talking to me. I'm kidding. I was talking to him, actually. He was trying to do calculus or something stupid. But... There's forgiveness available for every single person. There's redemption available for all people. You are redeemable in the work of Christ on the cross. And in that, we then become people who express redemption. So today, some of you just need to come to Jesus and let him know, hey, I need you. And some of you today need to say, Holy Spirit, do a work in my heart so that I can better love others as you have loved me. He came to save his people from their sins. Let's live as people who are saved, who are rescued, who are redeemed. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you 